Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Looking for a good time? <laughs> looking for a good time. What an opening. Uh, if you're looking for a good time... Just like talking politics, okay? Get your head out of the gutter, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, come on down to Maria's 960 West 31st Street on uh, Tuesday, November 7th at 7 p.m. for First Tuesdays. Maya and I will uh, host a show with Alderwoman Nicole Lee and Alderwoman Lenny Monahoppenworth talking Asian-American uh, political power in the city of Chicago. All kinds of political conversation at Maria's, 960 West 31st Street in Bridgeport. I know my distinguished guest, Dolfo Mondragon, will be there. Hell, he lives right down the street from Bridgeport. Uh, so one more time, first Tuesdays, November 7th, 7 p.m. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Friday, November 3rd begins now. On today's show, it's Oh, What a Week, so Ben talks the top stories of the week with a very special guest, and today's guest is none other than legal advocate and attorney at law, Adolfo Mondragon. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink when you're out this weekend in the city, just head to chicagoreader.com and you can find out the best places in town. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, head to chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Raylo is Busy Friday, and here's why. Actually, it's oh, what a week. Adolfo Mondragon, uh, my dear friend and good friend of the show, uh, standing by to talk about political news of the week in the city of Chicago. Uh, I mentioned Raylo, Alderman Raymond Lopez, uh, the Alderman of the 15th Ward. I got to put this up front. My distinguished guest, Adolfo Mondragon, once ran, I think, for Alderman against uh, Raylo. So he knows a few things about Raylo, and he knows a few things about the 15th Ward, and he knows a few things about Ed Burke. We're talking. We're going to do some serious Ed Burke talk uh, on the Ben Jarofsky Show, Ed Burke course, for all you rookies out there who may be listening to the show for the first time and are absolutely clueless and ignorant about Chicago. Ed Burke is the all-powerful, former all-powerful Alderman of the 14th Ward, finance chair, uh, in the city council under Mayor's Daly and Mayor Rahm. Uh, he's now on trial, uh, corruption trial here in the city of Chicago uh, and is raising all kinds of interesting defenses for himself. We'll get into all that. Uh, but the part about Raylo, I just had me smiling. I've watched, uh, I remember the first time uh, I met Raylo. He was a rookie alderman. Uh, this was during the days of Rahm Emanuel. And I could not have imagined that he would emerge as sort of the powerhouse. I have that kind of in quotes. I don't know how much real power he has, but he's a significant player in the Chicago City Council. Uh, he's in the, well, I would say over the last four years, uh, he has clearly learned from Ed Burke a thing or two. 
uh, Ed Burke uh, understood Robert rules of order. He knew uh, all the rules that govern city council procedure. And uh, Raylo has obviously memorized that book, as has his uh, uh, leading ally in the city council, Anthony Beal. Uh, and so they use their mastery of parliamentary procedure for all kinds of things. And so in this week alone, ladies and gentlemen, just think about this. On, on this week alone, let's just pause and think about Raylo's week. One, he advanced a proposal that would, what, force Chicagoans to take down those little libraries. You know, the little libraries they got, people put them up on their walkway, just like, like a, a birdhouse, only it's a bookhouse. I, I just, I, sometimes I laugh at the things that Chicagoans do. You're, you're elected officials. I said this before, I'll say it again. Those little libraries do not constitute uh, a problem in the city of Chicago. I would not put them on a list. I said the last time a thousand problems in Chicago, a million problems that the city, you could come up with a million problems in the city of Chicago <laughs> before you get to those Little libraries, which hurt no one, which do nothing but promote reading. God forbid a Chicagoan read a book. I'm a Chicagoan. I don't want to read a book. I'm tired. <laughs> Come on, Raylo. No, I'm going to take a stand against these little libraries. Heck of a stand, Raylo. Heck of a stand. Uh, and so that was his great <laughs> legislative moment. Uh, I use that as a counter argument to all my centrist friends who all these years who would tell me, uh, Ben, uh, Bernie Sanders, he's you can't, Bernie Sanders never did anything. He never passed a bill. That's my imitation of a centrist. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, half the bills they pass aren't worth passing. Why are you proud of them? This is <laughs> exhibit A, centrists who are all mad at Bernie. He never passed a bill, Ben. He couldn't pass health care for all because he was up against, like, the whole world on it, except for, like, people who needed it. Couldn't pass health care for all. Well, I'm happy to say that Raylo was unsuccessful in his attempt to pass that bird brain. I mean, bookhouse ban. <laughs> his bookhouse ban. Dumbest idea I've heard. And I'm not even sure, like, it's been a while since I read the article. Like, did they just delay it? Yeah, I don't know if they officially voted it down or put it off. Or it's like city council, man. Even when you do the right thing, you don't do it right. Anyway, one day later, he's like leading this insurrection uh, in the city council at a bizarre meeting that wasn't really a meeting yesterday. It's not quite clear uh, where uh, he was trying to get Chicago uh, to have a referendum, stripping Chicago its status as a sanctuary city. Uh, and just clearly trying to take advantage of the sentiment in this city, the anti-immigrant sentiment in this city, which is so bizarre and twisted and weird and self-hating that I, I, every day I'm like, I think about it. Like, what are we saying about ourselves? We are a city of immigrants, and yet we are united. So many communities united in opposition to immigrants. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Not immigrant. Venezuelan immigrants. Oh, so weird. Like, I would guarantee you that 60% of Chicago would not be able to tell you where Venezuela was. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that most Chicagoans, do they, do they know that Ozzie Guillen is from Venezuela? I, 
I don't know. I'll ask Adolfo Mondragon if he if if that I would say that would be the one Venezuelan they know. And yet it's like Chicago, wherever you go, no matter what neighborhood it is, black neighborhood, Hispanic neighborhood, <laughs> Asian neighborhood, white neighborhood, they're all united. No, no immigrants in our neighborhood. Even though like all of them come off a boat from somewhere or a bus. Oh God, you're weird, Chicago. Anyway, Raylo was re- leading the charge. Uh, yesterday to try to get Chicago to strip its uh, status as a sanctuary city, even though that has absolutely nothing to do with the situation with uh, immigrants, particularly from Venezuela. Apparently he was defeated, but who knows in Chicago, nothing is ever permanent in this city. (laughs) All right, without further ado, Adolfo Mondragon, we're going to bring him on. He's also an election lawyer, uh, and he's the man who led the efforts to change or get election law to be uh, proper following and follow. Pro- followed properly in regards to spending campaign contributions on things like defending oneself in a lawsuit. Uh, welcome back, Adolfo. It's nice to be here, Benny. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, and uh, we've had many conversations off the mic, and now it's good to have a conversation on the mic. All right, so I uh, opened up with uh, your favorite alderman. <laughs> Alderman Raymond, do you actually live? I can't remember. I always ask you this. I can't. You used to live I, in the. 15th. I used to live in the fifteenth ward, and in this last uh, remapping, I was cut out of it by a sliver, and now I am in the twelfth ward, which I, I was years ago when, um, I think Cardenas or Frias was uh, the the alderman of the twelfth ward. But anyway, I'm back in the twelfth ward by like a block or two. A block or two uh, from the fifteenth ward. Right. Uh, All right. So uh, let's start since you live in the 12th Ward. uh, Let's start with uh, Brighton Park and uh, Brighton Park was the scene of protests uh, against a (laughs) I can't even get how bizarre it is. And and it's so bizarre. But just take the deep dive. It was residents protesting a proposed tent city uh, that Mayor uh, Johnson wants to put in their general area. Uh, to house uh, Venezuelan immigrants who are right now sleeping on the floor of police stations at O'Hare Airport. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that people would show up to protest such a thing. I, <laughs> take it away. Your thoughts, your general First thoughts about all, what it I, says. I live within walking distance of this place, all right? And uh, so I guess there's two issues. Let me back up. There's the issue of did the mayor's office properly notice a community about something important that's going to happen in their community? That's one whole distinct issue. But the other issue is immigrants complaining about immigrants coming into the neighborhood. First of all, I'm within walking distance of the site. I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know until they started protesting and I saw it in the news. But all these people, their protect their pretext for uh, you know, being all upset is that, you know, we don't know about their backgrounds. A lot of these people are criminals and they have criminal records. Like if they're like the the uh, the Cuban immigrants that came in in 80 with the, you know, when Castro sent out like opened up the jail cells and sent all these um, criminals into the U.S. or something. First of all, they don't know anything about these individuals that are coming in. Second of all, whoever gets a dossier of anybody moving into their neighborhood? I certainly don't. These people act like, oh, I want to know their background. Well, I would like to know your background because I probably have lived longer in Brighton Park than you have, sir. Okay. And I don't get a dossier of every time somebody moves in. I'm more worried about 
I have this citizen app that pops up and tells me every five seconds that a sex offender is registered, is living within three houses from me or five houses from me. I'm more worried about those guys. And I'm more worried about, and I, I told you this story, I'm more worried about two Christmases ago, a a a, a bullet flew through the back end of my, of my porch and is lodged in the first floor kitchen of my parents' house. I'm more worried about that than I am about these Venezuelan immigrants. Do you see me going down there, walking down five, six blocks and protesting this shit? I don't give a shit because these people are harmless. They're not going to do anything. They've traveled from Venezuela all the way to this country in a similar fashion as many of my relatives traveled from Mexico to get to this country, but far more dangerous treks that they had to go through than the, and not to say that the trek to the U.S. from Mexico isn't dangerous at the border and et cetera, but they're not out here. The last thing they want to do is commit crimes. And not only that, if they commit a crime, that's a, that's a first way ticket back to Venezuela because at that point their amnesty claim is shot to shit. So why would why the fuck would they you know risk their one shot at amnesty by doing something stupid like that? It is insane. It's just it's 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 uh it's bigotry on the one hand, but it's also it's also common sense that people who are in marginalized neighborhoods are gonna feel upset because they're not getting resources normally that they should be getting. So then they they want something. And if the mayor was fucking smart, and I'm very disappointed in Brandon for this, because I voted for him, is if he knew Politics 101, he know that this is the time to bring out the pork. Because if you want to uh, uh, pacify these people, because they're clearly not worried about security, they don't know anything about these individuals, they want resources, go down there, notify them about what's going to happen and say, hey, by the way, this neighborhood needs stuff. What do you need? Here's some money. Let's get this stuff for the schools, for the community centers. I'm going to invest here. I'm going to invest there. I got your back, bro. And all of these protests would fucking go away. So it's a fuck up on Brandon's uh, part for not knowing politics the way he should be. And and you've been harping on this that, you know, six, seven months later after his uh, inauguration, he's still learning the fucking job and he's not doing, he's not up to par. And on the other end, it's individuals in this community, immigrants, complaining about other immigrants is just the stupidest ass shit I've ever seen. Uh, all right, plenty to respond to. Uh, pass out the pork. I had me smiling. I remember that we, you told me we were at a Bulls game and he told me that. You got to pass out the pork. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that one. Uh, and I don't know if I would phrase it so artfully as pass out the pork because that's very non-reformer. And I'm a reformer. <laughs> well, I mean, po- politics, whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans, has always worked on pork barreling, right? I mean, um, Johnson in the Civil Rights era, Lincoln fucking passing the Emancipation Proclamation and the and the Civil Rights Act and everything. I mean, the brother knew he had to put certain guy as the post general ma- uh, uh, master because he had to get votes, and that's the way it's always been done. So there's going to be some degree of that in a you know in, in an egalitarian democratic society there's still going to be some pork and this is the situation where it's allowable like you have to do this yeah uh well the emancipation proclamation was itself a proclamation uh but all right let's uh move past uh that and talk about the people showing up to protest who um okay i'm gonna uh I've, i may have said this before on the show i'll say it again uh, and I'm going to evoke my inner uh, Richard Nixon. 
Uh, and Richard Nixon always talked about a silent majority. Uh, and so he used that term in connection uh, to the people who supported the war in Vietnam as opposed to uh, uh, activists who were in the streets loudly opposing it. He goes, there's a silent majority of people in this country that support right. the first war. Okay. So uh, <laughs> flipping that phrase uh, on top of its head, I would hope, I would hope that there's a silent majority of people in the city of Chicago uh, who are more tolerant, I'll just put it like that, uh, about Venezuelans, immigrants, or any immigrants, uh, uh, and uh, are more tolerant. They just are going about their lives, not talking about it. In your humble opinion, uh, do you think that the folks who showed up to protest at Brighton Park um, tent city like the folks in, who showed up in the fifth ward uh when desmond yancey was about to speak and the folks who showed up at chatham uh in the 21st ward do you think uh that there is a silent majority of people who oppose them or do you think those people who show up to yell and scream about uh, get them out of my neighborhood speak for the majority of chicagoans yeah i don't think they speak for the majority of chicagoans this is still, I'd like to believe, is still the city of broad shoulders that is, the broad shoulders carry those immigrants because these immigrants have built this city. Um, what I think there's two dynamics going on here. On the one hand, there is bigotry because if you also consider that the city since 2022 has accepted 30,000 refugees of Ukrainian descent and has had no fucking problem with them, uh, it, it clearly shows that there's a dynamic about race and ethnicity here, right? So that's one dynamic working uh, uh, this problem. The other uh, problem is a problem of of economic um, uh, diversity and equity and inequality, essentially not equity, inequality, in that uh, the areas where you're seeing these protests are marginalized communities. You don't see uh, these protests in the rich neighborhoods because there is no tent city going up in the rich neighborhoods. There's nothing going on in the Gold Coast. There's nothing going on in Lincoln Park and Lakeview, uh, etc. So it's 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 like okay, it's it's the poor people who have to bear the fucking burden, and poor people are tired of having to bail out everybody else from whether it's voting for Joe Biden uh, or it's uh, it's it's burying these tent communities. Poor people at some point have their breaking point and they'll find these pretextual arguments to justify their anger. And uh, but what they want is they want they want they want to be the squeaky wheel because they they don't get the resources and and, and uh, attention that they deserve. And so uh, they feel like they're getting shit on. And so they have to express their anger in a particular way. So it's those two dynamics. On the one end, it's bigotry because the city. And its people are treating two different communities of refugees differently. One that are lily white from Europe and the others that are of mixed race from South America completely differently. The Ukrainians are living in hotel rooms and in apartment buildings. The Venezuelans are fucking on the floor of the airport and, uh, and, and police stations. How fucked up is that in America? In the in one of the biggest cities in, in, in the world, we have people fucking... Uh, sleeping 
on the floor at the airport or at police stations and other public. Uh, so that's one dynamic. The other dynamic is that these communities are tired of getting all the uh, the 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 waste dump sites in their communities. They're getting tired of all the budget cuts affecting their neighborhoods. So they they they're angry, but they're not angry necessarily about the immigrants. It's just a pretext uh, and. What they want is that they want attention and care, which they should receive, and that's why Brandon is fucking that part of it up, because if, if he was smart, he'd go down there. First of all, he fucked up by not notifying them. That's the first major fuck-up. Uh, but second, not only do you have to inform these individuals, but you have to also tell them, but hey, I got something for you. There's a quid pro quo here, just like everybody else who has their fucking hand out in the city to get something for something, <laughs> you know? We're gonna give you something for something because you're hardworking people and you've you've not given you've been given your due and you know what you ha- we're asking you once again to bear the brunt for everyone and take it for the team so we're gonna give you something in exchange. All right, well, I'm gonna push back a little bit. Uh, there are uh, there are and wealthy wealthier neighborhoods who are opposed to uh, the immigrants being come coming to their community. Brendan Riley, the 42nd Ward, which is the Gold Coast. We I've been making fun of him because his quote where he said, I'm vehemently opposed. Uh, right, but there are no current plans to put anybody <laughs> No, they would put him right? in a hotel there. Yes, there are plans. Oh, okay. there are, yeah, it wasn't a tent city, but uh, put immigrants in a, uh, I think it's a vacant hotel, uh, a vacant building, and, and he goes, I'm vehemently opposed. I love that. Vehemently opposed. Not just opposed, ladies, at least vehemently opposed. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> vehemently opposed um i'm going to push back on you a little bit get your thoughts on this sure. I, think I may have said this to you before i don't know uh i think that i've been watching inequity at play in the city of chicago uh for as long as i've lived here i talk about it all the time i write about it all the time i can't recall anybody in any community uh, let's just say bright we're with brighton park so i can't recall people storming a meeting at brighton park talk about inequity because uh lincoln yards got 1.3 billion dollars the city of chicago brighton park residents raised your property taxes in order to give 1.3 billion dollars to gentrify an already gentrifying neighborhood i can't recall one brighton parker storming a meeting outraged alderman did you vote for this are you supporting this i can't recall it for that matter, yeah. I can't recall Hyde Parker's storming a meeting in outrage because Lincoln Lincoln Yards got 1.3. Hey, Hyde Parker's, I know this is complicated, but they raised your property taxes too <laughs> as well. Yeah, you too. And you people in Chatham, you too. Your property taxes were raised so that money would go to Lincoln Yards. And people in Jefferson Park were crying. Alderman Brendan Riley, who's sobbing, vehemently opposed. I can't recall <laughs> any of you guys storming a meeting so to, uh, to oppose Lincoln Yard. So what I'm saying is there's something unique about immigrants being uh, given tent cities in Brighton Park that brings people out to a meeting and when people – as opposed to when they see resources not being spent on their see, I've been hearing this complaint now for like three months, Adolfo. Well, mm-hmm. people in the city of Chicago, they're so 
they just are outraged that their community has been overlooked. Yeah, your communities have been overlooked for 40 freaking years. <laughs> never said one word. You kept electing the same people who were ignoring your communities. Now you're mad. You see what I'm saying, Adolfo? So oh, clearly, a little hard time. Go ahead. Take it away. Clearly, there's a hypocrisy, but I, I but I, I think the the way I understand why it happens. I understand because there's no face to Lincoln Yards. But there's a face to the people coming in to use the ten cities. First of all, also ten cities. That's fucked up. Ten cities, dude. That's like, come on, Chicago. A ten city in a cold. <laughs> you know, we're fucking it up there. First of all, I I don't. I feel for I, in that sense. I don't want these immigrants also going to a ten city. I I feel for them, but but the the reason why there the, there's the uproar in Brighton Park and oh my god, all those people that showed up at that meeting at Kelly High School shit that got locked out or whatever oh my god if they would go to the if they would every four years go uh and vote during aldermanic and the mayoral elections fuck that would be something but no instead it's because they could put a face to a boogeyman you can't put a face to lincoln yards there isn't a group of individuals who you can go out there and protest and stone or whatever but there is uh, a face to the the immigration problem and then you add the racial component uh, and then the, also the intra-ethnic component of Mexican and Chinese immigrants complaining about, oh, look at these fucking brown-ass people coming over here. We're better than them. You know? It's like, it's so fucking silly. Fucking people of color fucking shitting on other people of color. It's so fucked up. We're better than them. You know, they they might be criminals and shit. They're lazy and they're blah, blah, blah. Same shit everyone said about all of you before, Right. Um, but the reason why they're not they're not uh, complaining about Lincoln Yards because there's no face to it and and people just like ah whatever the rich are getting the whatever but this is in their backyard and they could see a face to it and they're like fuck this we're not gonna let it happen that's why they're doing it I'm not condoning it obviously I'm opposed to it I'm just saying that's the reason of the the hypocrisy but yeah I mean <laughs> I wish they would go out and vote in in the you know in the mass numbers that they went to these. Uh, to these uh, public uh, meetings about, you know, the 10th city coming to, to their neighborhood. Yeah, that's a good riff, man. Uh, you're right. There's a face on it. All right. Uh, let's get to uh, the concept of sanctuary city, which was, was the ostensible topic of the meeting uh, that uh, occurred yesterday at the city council. It was a special meeting that uh, uh, Raylo called uh, to um, uh, try to get a referendum on the ballot for the voters uh, to determine whether they want Chicago to remain a sanctuary city. Uh, and uh, really, this is just symbolic. This is just symbols, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, whether Chicago is a quote-unquote sanctuary city or not bears no relationship whatsoever on <laughs> immigrants like coming to Chicago on buses sent by Greg Abbott. If you take away Chicago's status as a sanctuary city that does not give you like a legal reason. <laughs> I don't know what you people. It's not like you could say, go to court, send Adolfo in a court to argue. Uh, we are no longer a sanctuary city. So legally we cannot accept these. I know it's you so think... stupid. It, it's so stupid because this, the sanctuary city is actually helping the people who are protesting the immigrants from Venezuela because many of them are living in the shadows. And the reason why we have sanctuary city is to uh, uh, to uh, not have a system where the, the local police are tipping off ICE and all these other agencies that are, are trying to get rid of people who are living in the shadows 
and our hardworking members of our community. So by voting against it, you're shooting yourself in the fucking foot because not only are you not getting rid of the people who are coming in on buses, but now you're making it easy when you get stopped for like not having a for a speeding ticket or for whatever any other traffic violation, and you end up in 26th in California. Well, guess what? Now they're going to start calling ICE because they're going to suspect you of not having uh, proper documentation to be here or you're in the process of this or process of that. And all of a sudden you're going to find your ass back wherever, you know, you originate from because you voted for this dumb ass thing that Raylo and Beal are proposing. Yeah, well put. I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, and uh, by the way, do you use language like that when you argue before the Illinois State Supreme Court? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, but no. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, I, have to be, I have to be very a very proper barrister when I'm uh, Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, he speaks when he goes before the Illinois State Supreme Court as a law school graduate at the University of Chicago. Because of my show, he's straight up Brighton Park. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, that said, in your humble opinion, if Raylo was successful uh, in putting this question before the enlightened electorate of the city of Chicago, uh, which way would the enlightened electorate go? Would they uh, support Raylo and strip Chicago of its sanctuary state, city status, even though it will have absolutely no bearing on busloads of Venezuelans? Uh, or will they vote the way you would vote and vote uh, against Raylo's uh, referendum? Well, I guess it would depend on how enlightened uh, they allowed us to be, because if they conflate the two issues, uh, then will the voter, the electorate will be disinformed. And I could see them totally voting for Raylo and Beale's position. But if they, they don't conflate the issue or there are forces out there that counter with their voices and their information, then um, then I don't think it'll fly. So it's just a matter of how how deceptive or uh, sophist or whatever you want to call it they can be because anyone could be fooled into you know voting for something that they don't want well i'm going to go on a, a limb here uh and uh i know my uh i have many friends who say criticize me for um having a low opinion of chicago voters uh, mm -hmm. expressing that opinion from time to time all the time I believe that if uh, Raylo is successful in getting this referendum uh, on the ballot, which I don't believe he's going to be successful at, I do not believe this will be on the ballot for voters to decide. Uh, and uh, I believe that he would lose that. I have, I, I believe, I head uh, toward the notion that the people who show up screaming and yelling uh, at, uh, in Brighton Park, uh, and the people who show up, <laughs> Kelly High, that was a trip. You're right. I forgot about <laughs> Kelly High. Wow. Uh, Kelly High. Uh, Gary Chico's alma mater, by the way. That's right. So That's that right. Out. Gary Chico's alma mater. Uh, and uh, I would say they would not prevail. And uh, that uh, they may have, uh, you know, uh, intimidated Brendan Riley to a certain degree, uh, where he is vehemently opposed not just oppose, vehemently oppose. Yeah, I think uh, Brendan Riley might, in my opinion, in my opinion, might be offended if I move into his neighborhood too. So you know, that doesn't. That's where he's probably coming from. Uh, you know? No. Uh, oh, but wait, he went to Yale University of Chicago. Fuck him anyway. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know where he went. <laughs> I have no idea what college <laughs> Brendan Riley went to. No, no, no. If I if I was moving into his neighborhood, I think he'd be vehemently opposed to. So even with the Yale. Even yeah, I think with the yeah, bulldogs. I 
Isn't I think if you ask them in private, in my opinion, in my opinion, I don't know, maybe uh, the man is different, but from the rhetoric that he's spewing, it sounds like that's the kind of decision he would make, but whatever. All right. Uh, and uh, so, okay, I, I actually believe the city would vote against uh, the the, um, uh, the Raylo uh, uh, proposal. The city, just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this meeting dissolved into chaos uh, at the end. It was, it was so classic Chicago. Uh, so while... Follow me on this, ladies and gentlemen. You need a quorum. I think a quorum is 26 uh, alder people at a city council to have an official meeting. Uh, and so the big battle was whether the, um, and I don't even know what to call them, I guess uh, administration allies, uh, whether Mayor Johnson's allies, uh, led by Carlos uh, Ramirez Rosa, the uh, alderman of the 35th Ward, could convince people, aldermen to stay away so that there would be no official meeting. That was the issue. Uh, and Raylo and Beal, on the other hand, were encouraging Alder people to show up. So there would be an official meeting. All right. Uh, and at one point, there were actually 26 Alders in the city council. So it was a quote unquote official meeting. And while this was going on, uh, Alderman, you know, they're go, leaving and you know how it is, uh, Adolfo, Alderman leave the city. So uh oh, we're down to 24. And so uh, Carlos would be moving to end the meeting. We don't have a quorum. It's so bizarre right. and weird and twisted. Did they turn uh, off the lights or something at some point? Or I thought they, right. okay. So the meeting when they officially counted up uh, and found that they were below a quorum, uh, Samantha Nugent, the alderwoman of the uh, 39th ward, uh, was the one who said the meeting is adjourned, uh, and because we don't have a quorum, and so she left the the um, the council chambers, and then uh, whoever is in charge of the lights turned off the lights. Like, get him out of there. Let's go. Elvis has left the building. There's no reason to, no, no reason to hang around. Uh, and uh, Raylo ran up to um, the uh, podium. He stood behind the podium. I saw that. A, I saw he didn't that. Have a gavel. <laughs> He's hitting his hand. It's like me. He's like, remember how Khrushchev, oh, you were, you're too young. Khrushchev, when he came to the United Nations, took his shoe off and was banging. Yeah. He I, was banging the podium with his hand. There's still a meeting. You didn't officially <laughs> adjourn this. I'm like, you are a lunatic, Raylo. <laughs> okay. uh, so, yeah, they turned the lights off. And so now, of course, uh, it's uh, open debate as to whether the meeting was officially adjourned or <laughs> it's still going on. Yeah. Oh God! What a city, Chicago. Yeah, but you know you gotta admit these characters—they they know self-promotion. You know. Yeah. I mean, they're still you gotta, and you're right, man. Uh, Raymond Lopez, I give I always give him credit because he's not—he's he, a very astute guy. He definitely learned stuff from Burke, um, and he's probably read his Forty-Eight uh, Laws of Power, and you know, and and he definitely read his Robert Rules enough to know some of the stuff you know the major stuff to go along he's probably not an expert or anything on him but um but yeah he's he's not dumb i mean no. the guy is scrappy and for a one-man island he uh, you know he knows how to self-promote and uh and make some raise some uh raise some fuss yeah no he uh is a force and you and this uh, i uh mayor johnson should recognize that uh and uh, all right speaking of burke Let's go there. Uh, Ed Burke is, in my uh, humble opinion, the man who taught uh, Alderman uh, Raymond Lopez and Anthony Beale. It's pretty much clear uh, from the way they behave uh, that 
they uh, learned uh, from Alderman Ed Burke. Uh, and this is the Alderman Ed Burke who was uh, out of power. And let me explain the distinction and then uh, get Adolfo's thoughts on this. Uh, Alderman Ed Burke uh, took over the 14th Ward uh, when his father died. So he is inherited uh, the mantle of Alderman in the 14th Ward. And then he was unbeatable for year after year after year. He had a very powerful uh, 14th Ward political machine. Uh, and at the same time, as you know, he was running a very uh, flourishing uh, property tax appeal business. And so he would use his power uh, at the city uh, council, in the city council, to uh, quote unquote encourage uh, people to uh, hire his firm to lower their taxes. My personal belief is that he could do no better. He, he was no better at that job than pretty much your cousin. Your cousin Billy Bob could do the same good job lowering taxes. It's basically a formula that you file, ladies and gentlemen. This is not Earl Warren stuff, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is not uh, Barack Obama constitutional law here, okay? It's basically following a formula. And um, so, uh, but, you know, people would hire him because they either wanted to court, they wanted, it was like the, equivalent of giving him a campaign contribution. They wanted to court him. They wanted to woo him uh, for whatever reasons. Maybe they needed his assistance because every single contract came through the finance committee. Every single TIF deal came through the finance committee. Uh, Mayors Daly and Rahm Emanuel looked the other way. I see nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> while claiming they were transparent and reformers while Burke was in the operation, uh, using his power to get people to uh, hire his uh, law firm. But there was the Ed Burke also who was not in, uh, an ally of the mayor. That was the Ed Burke of the 80s with uh, council wars and the Ed Burke uh, in, uh, during the Lori Lightfoot era, uh, Adolfo. And in that case, he would use his mastery of Robert Wilson Rorter to try to undercut uh, the mayor. And that's uh, what I see in Ray Lowe and Anthony Beale. They're using their mastery of Robert Rules of Orders to try to trip the mayor, undercut the mayor, uh, and uh, to sort of tie things up with the mayor. That's my sense of how he has influenced them. Uh, he is on the verge of a, uh, a trial, and um, your general thoughts about Ed Burke's trial, and we'll get into the specifics. He's about to start a trial, uh, I guess it's on Monday, for uh, corruption go ahead yeah it's on monday i you know i don't know i'm not privy to you know what the force and weight of the evidence against them outside of what is, what's been reported right i mean i don't know about you know they're going to have particular memos that are going to come back to haunt him or what those recordings have or whatever but i you know i don't think he's got i think he's got a, a you know it's an uphill battle for him um he's going to fight it because uh, he's not the kind of man who would cut a deal, I think, and admit um, wrongdoing. Um, what I find interesting, though, is uh, a lot of little aspects of it, like um, this whole thing about whether or not certain comments that he made about Jewish people should be allowed um, to be heard. And also, I think I saw you sent me an article about whether or not there could be a political science uh local expert to talk about the way politics have worked in Chicago and his role and Burke's role in um, in the democratic system here to give a background and explain to jurors, uh, give them context in terms of how this is all happening or how it led up 
to this kind of behavior from Burke. Um, uh, in terms of the the comments, I, you know, I would tend to think that he's probably his legal team is right. I think they're inflammatory, and I don't think that they're they're as um, they may be a little bit relevant because they were set in the context of these deals that he was making, but. I don't think that they that they're necessary for them to prove their case against Burke. I think that that their value in injecting them into the trial would be more to inflame any jury against them. So I I I tend to think that those should be um, inadmissible. Um, in terms of the political scientist giving a context, I think there's there's already uh, a line of cases in the past couple of years where they've used the prosecution has used a um, political scientists to explain the context of politics in Chicago and um, and the machine and how things worked. Uh, so I think that that's perfectly fine because you have to under you can only understand or you could better understand the way Burke operated by giving individuals a contextual understanding of the way business and politics worked in Chicago and maybe still works. So I'm okay with that. Um, in terms of the evidence against them, <clears throat> I don't know exactly what they got, but I I could only imagine based on what we've read in the paper in the last couple of years um, that it's going to be one interesting because I want to hear those tapes with Danny Solis, uh, you know, um, <laughs> uh, with the ones that he took uh, furtively. And uh, I, I, I'd love to be that little fly in the wall um, that those recordings essentially were. Uh, uh, but I got to think that, um, you know, any defenses about how this was just normal, you know, it's kind of like the uh, Blagojevich, that line of argument about how this is normal horse trading. This is the way business is done. It's we evacuate, we acquiesce to it. It's become part of our culture. So therefore it's not illegal. It may, you may not like it. It may be immoral, but it's. It may be borderline unethical, but it's not criminal. I don't think those lines of arguments have worked in the past, if that's where they're heading. And uh, I don't think they're going to fly now. All right, let's get, it, um, <clears throat> let's get into the uh, distinction between inflammatory uh, language uh, and relevant language uh, to a case, building a case. And uh, go back to law school uh, with us for this. Um, so the comments uh, Ed Burke made uh, in uh, private to Danny Solis, and one more time, with rookie listeners, Danny Solis, alderman in the 25th Ward, for years and years and years, did something to get himself in trouble with the feds. Uh, and so the feds got him to agree to wear a wire to collect information on Ed Burke and Michael Joseph Madigan that they could use uh, against these all-powerful politicians to bring cases against them. Uh, and so uh, Danny uh, Solis had a, mostly with Ed Burke, most of the tapes that I've seen anyway have to do with or heard, have to do with Ed Burke. Having a conversation with Ed Burke and Ed Burke made some comments about uh, Jewish people, uh, Jewish lawyers, uh, and um, he's sort of from the Archie Bunker school of uh, <laughs> lawyers. I urge everybody to check out that all in the family. It's hilarious. Uh, and um, uh, God, I would love to see Larry David do a show about Ed Burke's <laughs> attitudes about Jewish. Uh, anyway, I was very self-serving, filled with self-pity, uh, riff by Ed Burke. Uh, where he was claiming that the only reason uh, that uh, developers uh, hire uh, certain lawyers is because they're Jewish and a poor guy like him, 
uh, doesn't have a, a break, can't get a break, which is laughable <laughs> when you think this is the most powerful man in the world. Again, I'll go back to it. There's no reason to hire him as your property tax appeal, people. Your brother-in-law, Billy Bob, do the same thing, okay? Uh, but somehow or other, he's a victim. Oh, poor me, Ed Burke. I'm only the most powerful man in Chicago. Uh, so anyway, uh, they caught him on tape, and the the um, the feds are arguing uh, that those comments show that he was using his position uh, to enrich himself. That he thought that he needed to use that position of power that he had uh, to gain from it. And uh, Ed Burke's arguing that this will inflame people. Uh, now the judge pointed out. It can these day and age, it can inflame people either way. There's there's a lot of anti-Semitism out there, so you could get some jurors that go, "Oh yeah, I agree with." <laughs> oh God, right. Larry David said the same thing. Uh, <laughs> and so, this being Chicago, you never know. Uh, could be a few people who are at that Brighton Park Kelly High School thing. So, uh, so I can make an argument uh, either way, Adolfo. I'd love to hear your discourse, your legal, and you went to law school. You're yeah. far smarter than I am on these issues. Uh, so, so it's all, it, it all comes down to a balancing test. So judges are basically say, okay, well, they are relevant, right? I mean, those comments are relevant. <clears throat> I don't disagree with that. I think that it, they're when they're heard in the context, they are clearly relevant towards um, proving the case. Are they necessary to prove the case? That's another question. Uh, how inflammatory are they? So are they more inflammatory than than probative in terms of their value, right? Um, I think maybe you could split, you could be uh, the wise King Solomon and split the baby too. There's maybe a way of redacting that statement. <clears throat> uh, and instead of putting in the ethnic slur, just putting like a blank or something like that. These lawyers, those lawyers, blah, blah, blah. And then getting the statement in, and that might be a way of compromising and saying like, well, they're relevant and probative, the statement, but we we recognize that there might be some kind of inflammatory nature to this that might bias against Burke. So therefore, we will redact the slur and just keep the statement with and replace it by some neutral term instead of those, you know. Jewish lawyers would be like uh, those ethnic lawyers or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So there might be a way of just uh, of playing it safe for the judge because you don't want to get overturned in the appellate court and say like, well, that prejudiced him to the, to the, to the point where he did not get a fair trial. Right. Cause that's what you want to keep in mind. Like, is this going to get overturned? Uh, Cause sometimes you could find that an error is harmless. Uh, the appellate court could find like, well, it was an error. They should have allowed it. Or they shouldn't have allowed it. It should have been inadmissible, but it didn't hurt them. It didn't harm them. There was a mountain of evidence against them, and it's harmless, right? But if you want to play it safe, you know, you might want to redact it or change, you know, replace the the slur with another word, and then you know you get you get the 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 the, the language in, uh, and 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 you know you play it safe in that manner. But it's hard. It's a balancing test. And sometimes balancing tests tip to one side more than the other. Uh, and sometimes it's right on, you know, the balance beam is really close. And this might be one of those close calls. That's why I think the judge said something like, well, nowadays it could go either way. Yeah. And I think that that language tends to tell you the process there about weighing it. Um, but I think you could find the middle ground. 
you could just include the, the, the but instead of saying those Jewish lawyers, say those ethnic lawyers or whatever, and then you get the gist of it, but you don't repeat the slur, right? In its full effect. Uh, uh, yeah, I see that. Man, I don't know if I buy that. Uh, that splitting, but I hear what you're getting at. Uh, and uh, you you mentioned fair trial. And this is perfectly uh, to delve into the next aspect of this. I have to smile whenever I hear uh, Pete, Ed Burke's lawyers bending over backwards to, that their client get a fair trial. It reminds me of Donald Trump's lawyers bending over backwards uh, to argue that uh, the, he deserves a fair trial. Already, <laughs> it's everything Ed Burke's got going for him, like everything Donald Trump's got for them, is quote unquote unfair because right. nobody else right. in the country has it. Very, I'll take you right now. Uh, to the Cook County Courthouse, uh, Adolfo, any Cook County right. Courthouse throughout the county, you will not see one defendant with right. an inch of... Right, right, right. When it comes to Trump and Burke, when they're saying fair trial, what they're really saying, what they are really saying is they want a perfect trial, but which you're not entitled to. You're only entitled to a fair trial, which they are more than getting um, because they have the resources to ensure that they have a fair trial. Not only that... They get, even with the indictment, people like them get deference. Trump, because he was president and because he was a rich guy, he whatever, he's a rich guy. And Burke, because he was this, you know, uh, esteemed alderman and because he was a rich guy and powerful guy. So there's there's always some uh, deference that you, these guys, even with the indictment, are going to get anyway. So they're benefiting from that. So, of course, they're getting a fair trial. Do they get a perfect trial? No. What's That's what they really what is, what is a perfect trial? I don't even know what that is. A perfect trial would be one where there are like exact like this example. Like let's say the judge made a mistake by allowing that statement to come in. But again, just because it came in and it was a mistake, does it mean that it completely fucked? But for that mistake, he would have not been convicted, let's say. Then that would rise to a, a grievous error. But sometimes trials are full of mistakes. But they don't rise to the amount that but for but for this mistake, this person would have not been convicted or found guilty or whatever, right? Liable. So that's what that's what would be a perfect trial where there would be no technical errors, but th that didn't harm them in any way. It's only when an error rises to the point where but for that error, you didn't get a fair trial, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are mistakes like that that rise to the level of. Um, you know, that like if you're if, if you're a poor defendant and your attorney is appointed and he's sleeping, you know, through half the trial and the judge doesn't do anything about it. That's a mistake that did impact the fairness of your trial. If your own attorney that was appointed is sleeping through half the fucking trial, yes. you know, and there are cases about that kind of stuff, you know. Yes. But uh, but yeah, yeah, these guys. Oh, and and by the way, we also mentioned that there was a Trump issue with Burke's trial, too. Right. Because. Uh, I think the prosecution wanted uh, to uh, mention that uh, Burke bragged about having Trump's business, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there too that I mean, like I, I don't see the probative value of that. I think that that's just to besmirch Burke for having, you know, for having Trump as a client. Yeah, uh, and yeah, Burke represented Trump property tax appeals uh, uh, in regards to Trump Tower downtown. Uh, successfully, I should say, uh, represented Trump on those appeals. He got the uh, right. the Cook County Assessor and in its infinite wisdom 
or lack thereof uh, to lower the assessment and, and thus raise the taxes and all the rest of you suckers and saps out there. All right. Another advantage that Ed Burke uh, faces, as does Donald Trump, uh, and this gets to the heart of, of Adolfo, one of Adolfo's uh, great legal moments, is that he, Ed Burke, is using uh, campaign contributions contributions that people have made to his political campaigns uh, to pay for his defense lawyers who ain't cheap, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and um, want to be paid. Uh, and uh, I presume that unlike Donald Trump, Ed Burke pays his lawyers. Uh, and Trump has got a reputation for uh, not coming up with the money. Uh, so uh, let's talk about that. Uh, it was just a story in the uh, Chicago Tribune that uh, uh, Perhaps Burke is paying for the uh, uh, lawyers of one of his co-defendants. So is this legal? Is this constitutional, uh, Adolfo, to use campaign contributions to pay your defense bills? Well, I don't know if it's constitutional, but in terms of my case, uh, I, I don't think it passes muster under the election code in terms of the permissible uses of campaign funds. Um for a couple of reasons, uh, you know, <clears throat> the Board of Elections guy in the Tribune article just kind of gives like a, a a cheap general assessment of it to kind of just sweep it under the the the, the rug. Um, uh, let me find this quote here, something about because um, they asked the board of somebody from the board, like, what do you think of this practice? So it says here, quote, Illinois State Board of Elections spokesman Matt Dietrich said that generally nothing in state law prohibits spending campaign funds for the, quote, customary and reasonable expenses of a politician or office holder. But now let me read from the Supreme Court case uh, that uh, that I brought on behalf of Byron Cisco Lopez. And uh, let me see here. What does the Supreme Court say about that? It says, let's see. Uh, Moreover, Considering the plain language of the campaign disclosure and regulation provisions of the election code, we also reject the contention that because an office holder could not engage in public corruption absent his position as office holder, his personal legal defense fees for proven official misconduct or public corruption may be subsidized by campaign funds as an expenditure, quote, to defray the customary and reasonable expenses of an office holder in connection with the performance of governmental and public service functions. So the board guy is saying generally they're not prohibited. And the Supreme Court is saying when this person has been indicted, they are not what is called uh, expenses in connection with the normal performances of public service, right? And then it quotes, the, the court says... Uh, very boldly, the court has never condoned public corruption. And then it says, accordingly, we find compelling the New Jersey Supreme Court's response when faced with a similar issue in holding that the payment of legal fees from campaign funds to defend against an indictment, which Burke has been indicted, okay? An indictment. Danny Solis was not indicted. That's why I couldn't get Danny Solis. Alleging official corruption was not an ordinary and necessary expense of holding public office. And there's a larger quote from the New Jersey Supreme Court. Uh, but the idea that that these uh, fees 
are part of the uh, normal uh, course of business for a politician is BS. Because uh, in this situation, there has been an indictment. The indictment has not been challenged or thrown out. They are going to trial. The only exception that the Supreme Court said was they were like, well, the only reason why we don't make it a per se rule where every use of illegal funds in the situation is bad is because once in a while there are witch hunts. And there are situations where someone has been indicted um, by a zealous prosecutor and those indictments have been thrown out. But the indictment hasn't been thrown out here. They're going to trial. So this is a situation where the 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 state does not condone public corruption and therefore doesn't condone subsidizing legal fees to defend against an indictment about public corruption. So I think this is clearly one, the money that Brooke has been spending on his own legal defense from campaign funds is against the election code, in my opinion and in my reading of the Supreme Court. Two, the funneling money to to his co-defendant for the same purposes, I think also violates the election code and and part of them uh, in terms of intent this whole language about sometimes labeling it as a legal fee and sometimes labeling it as a consulting fee clearly demonstrates to me that the reason why they're using consulting fees sometimes is because they're like they're not sure that they could use them as legal <laughs> fees that's why they're going back and forth between the language yeah. and it's really interesting to me that the attorney for burke uh, when they disclosed this in court, said something like, "Oh, this is allowable. Uh, this is how how a brain uh, an attorney's brain works. Because remember, the rule is if there's an indictment, then it's no good, right? Uh, but if it's like a false indictment that gets thrown out, then then no. So the so Andrews, oh, this is not Brooks' attorney. Andrews' lead attorney, Patrick Bledgen and Todd Pugh said that since what he meant was because not since that's an improper use of since, but anyway." Their client was, quote, wrongfully accused of crimes committed while he was an employee of the 14th. It's entirely appropriate for Brooks campaign to fund to be funds to be used for Andrew's defense. So they're saying, yeah, I know he's indicted, but he was wrongfully accused. And therefore, it's completely legitimate to use these funds. No, 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 no. That's not what the Supreme Court says. The Supreme yeah. Court says if you've been <clears throat> indicted and you're moving forward on that indictment, you cannot use these funds. All right. And uh, so just to remind people who may have forgotten, uh, Adolfo was the lawyer uh, in a case filed by uh, Alderman uh, Byron Sixer Lopez against Danny Solis. Uh, Danny Solis, uh, aforementioned Danny Solis, was the gentleman who collected the uh, evidence against Ed Burke in secretly recorded conversations. Uh, and he was using his campaign contributions uh, to pay his lawyers uh, for whatever corruption matters he was uh facing uh, uh, with the feds uh, and uh, Adolfo took it to court uh, and ultimately lost, as you just explained. Um, that issue. Uh, that, that issue. issue. Uh, and in the court of law that governs the Ben Jarofsky show, he was allowed Adolfo to claim <laughs> victory. And so uh, I was forced to pay up a bet. Uh, <laughs> so somehow or other, I lost the bet, even though Danny won the war. I don't know. I don't know how that worked. Um, Right. Yeah, but but again, but the distinction, the reason why Danny Solis's case is distinct from Burks and Madigan's mm -hmm. is that there was no evidence, according to the Supreme Court, that Danny had been indicted. Because remember, he entered into a deferral uh, prosecution agreement. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so the tech, to me, that means he was indicted. If he entered into an agreement, that means he was accused formally of wrongdoing, but, you know, whatever. The court said it was a distinction that mattered to them, and therefore, uh, it says here, considering the evidence before the board, we find that the board's conclusion um, that Solis used, uh, this was not clearly erroneous because, um, let's see, because uh, essentially because he wasn't indicted because he had this deferred agreement. But Burke, Burke has been indicted. Yeah. He's so been. has Madigan. Yeah. So there's no question about that. If, if there's a line to be drawn in the sand where at what point it becomes illegal, according to the election code, is at the point where you've been indicted and you're moving forward with that indictment. That's well, the way uh, I read the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Well, he's getting away with it one way or another, Ed Burke. Right. Uh, See, the thing is, I did the hard job. I brought this case and got this beautiful language from the Supreme Court. But now no one is brave enough to file a complaint and say what they're doing is violating this Supreme Court, you know, uh, uh, opinion. Okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> nobody wants Ed. Nobody wants to upset Ed Burke. It's okay. Yeah. There's like. Uh, and you don't get paid for it. There's no money for it. So, right, right. you know, it's, uh, it, so yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. But, Until somebody proposes a rule for the election board to say like, Hey, you got to recognize this opinion. And therefore, anytime somebody uses this, you have to scrutinize it on a case by case basis to determine whether or not it's in accordance with the Supreme court decision. You know, uh, all right, uh, so we'll close with this. Uh, since you mentioned Danny Solis, uh, I uh, wrote a column recently uh, for the reader. I don't know if you saw it. I should have sent it to you as preparation for this. Uh, and so the reader was having a special issue on rats, as in the four-legged creatures uh, that uh, are all over mm -hmm. the city of Chicago. And they asked me to write a column about rats. Uh, and just, of course, having been a political columnist in this city for all these years, the first thing that popped into mind were two-legged rats. Uh, and that's the use of the word rats as to somebody who goes rats out, uh, persons, uh, people of uh, prominence and power, uh, and turn state's evidence against them. Uh, and generally, that means somebody who did it to, uh, to avoid their own prosecution, to uh, you know, sort of shield themselves from the full extent of punishment and their own uh, wrongdoing. So in the case of Danny Solis, uh, he got in trouble with the feds. And uh, I think it was, wasn't that the Viagra? Viagra? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just the size all Chicago knows, man. You guys get the massages, the, massages uh, yeah. with the Asian women and uh, the, the Viagra. And um, um, yeah, so Danny got in trouble. And so uh, the feds said, all right, they, uh, I don't know what they said to him, but I presume they said, we'll go easier on you uh, on our prosecution uh, uh, if you wear this wire. And he wore the wire. Uh, and as a result, Ed Burke is on trial right now. Uh, and Michael Madigan is on trial right now. And I have argued uh, that uh, Danny Solis, for better or for worse, is the greatest agent of change and reform <laughs> in the city of Chicago in this, in this century. I don't get a lot of support when I say that. Uh, but he's one of the three great rats, in my humble opinion, in Chicago uh, political history, at least the history that I've lived through. And the other two that I have on my list are a gentleman named John Christopher, uh, who wore a wire 
uh, for the feds uh, to lower his punishment. Uh, and he got uh, all he got various politicians to pay him off so he could illegally uh, uh, was allowed to operate on an illegal dump uh, in various neighborhoods of the city of Chicago. Uh, and one of which he did, the feds didn't even make him clean up, which was over the 24th Ward. Uh, and then the other one I feel uh, the more I think about it, is perhaps the most notorious of them all, William O'Neill, uh, who was the FBI informant uh, who in exchange for uh, looking the other way at him stealing a car wore a wire uh and i don't know i don't think he wore a wire he just was an informant uh and a spy on fred hampton and the black panthers uh and gave away the um, layout of the apartment uh that fred hampton lived in uh, so that police would have a better sense of what the layout was when they did their midnight raid assassination uh those are my big three am i missing anybody adolfo or would you at, like to add any thoughts about any of those three the floor is yours no, I, I don't I don't know that I could add anything because I don't have your extensive uh, knowledge of all the uh, corruption and the the times when there have been rats. But I will tell you that uh, Danny hasn't testified yet. So until he goes on that stand and we hear exactly what he says, um, you know, he's definitely a rat that's caused some change. But the, how great of a rat he is will depend <laughs> on his testimony. <laughs> And and you really get what do you mean by great? You know what I mean? Well, like, like how affect how much change is is his testimony gonna put Burke in jail? Well, you know? what is okay? So this all right. So I will say this: I do not know obviously the answer to that question, uh, but I do know this: Danny wearing that wire uh, has caused the end of Ed Burke's political career. He is no longer the alderman. He is no longer the committeeman. He is no longer one of the leading forces. This folly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, determining who is a Cook County judge. Let's just pause and think about that. Ed Burke had a big role in slating uh, judicial candidates throughout Cook County. He's using his power as a committeeman. Uh, and he uh, no longer even has a property tax appeal business. Uh, and I would say that him becoming the symbol of corruption in Chicago enabled Lori Lightfoot to be victorious because she was one of the few candidates in the 2019 uh, mayoral election who did not have a connection with Ed Burke. Right. Uh, and she used that successfully to get the Sun-Times to endorse her. Uh, and she was able to win the first round. And then she beat Tony Preckwinkle in the runoff. So I would argue that Danny Solis has already had a huge yeah, impact. I would only disagree and I would brush back as devil's advocate and saying that maybe you give Danny a little too much credit because under Ron Burke was already losing power and because of age, he was already eventually going to have to retire from that office. Um, so he was already waning in age. He was waning in power under Rom. He'd already been humiliated by Rom when they took away his you know, his bodyguard detail and all that other stuff. And they took away half of his uh, responsibilities in the finance committee. So yeah, Danny did, uh, uh, you know, help uh, Lightfoot and he did do those other things, but I think you give Danny a little too much credit. Well, I'll put it this way. Uh, I remember just shaking my head in disbelief. Uh, when Ed Burke, it was, I don't know, the official indictment hadn't come out yet, but the, the story broke that the FBI had raided his uh, office. I remember this. He had a fundraiser. Remember this? And yeah. the line of people showed up. Oh, you know, yeah. They <laughs> showed up anyway. <laughs> like, what? They were like, well, we're not certain that the 
uh, that he's <laughs> out of power. So just want to kiss that ring. So he may have been getting a little old. All right. You know, and he may have been a little uh, not as sharp uh, as he once was, but I still think he had quite a bit of a wake up. No, no doubt. No doubt. Danny, Danny did was a catalyst for a lot of things, but, um, but also I think Burke was coming on his way down, you know, Let's face it, you just don't want to give Danny Solis credit for anything. I don't blame you, but <laughs> maybe that just it. You don't even to, you don't even say he was good at wearing a wire. You don't even want to say that. <laughs> uh, uh, you may be right about that, Ben. I, I am right about that. It's it's kind of like me. Uh there's certain basketball players that just I won't never. give them any credit, right? Never. <laughs> Grayson Allen. I'm speaking of you, okay? All my friends who are Bucks fans are always defending Grayson Allen. Uh, now, of course, <laughs> they don't have to because he plays for the Phoenix Suns. All right, uh, Adolfo, what a blast talking to you. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, I will uh, see you around town. Thank you very much. Yep. All, All right. right that, that's a great Adolfo Mondragon, El Dragon, as we call him uh, on the Ben Jarowski show. He's also a I – should, I should have done this, Adolfo. Uh, why don't you plug your 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 show? He's guy's a great DJ. Uh, on top of everything else, Give yeah. A for all of you fans of international music, particularly Mexican folkloric music, mariachi music, uh, the University of Chicago has a radio station on the dial, eighty-eight point five FM, and on online at www.whpktest.com, whpktest.com, and uh, every Thursday from or almost every Thursday from four to five have an hour of uh, great Mexican music. So you want to listen, you know, feel free to, and, and also there's tons of other programming on HBK from jazz to classical to indie rock to all sorts of stuff that you could hear. So WHBK, the University of Chicago, great radio station to listen to. All right, very good. Thanks, Adolfo, for that. I also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job, and I'm sure Adolfo and Danny Solis will agree on this. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cat. Peace and love, everybody. Take care, Adolfo. And don't forget, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows. If you missed any of those Benny J bonus interviews, you can find all those and more at chicagoreader.com. If you want to follow Ben on Instagram, it's at Benny J Show. And please, I always ask this, but I'm going to ask it one more time. Like and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.